Wonderful. We are the right way around this morning. So awesome. Welcome here to those who are going to view here and welcome here this morning to Breakthrough City Church. So we've been sharing um, for the last couple of weeks about um, the whole thing about dealing with hurts, dealing with offenses. Um, I've, I've seen this in my own family. I've seen this in situ- situations where uh, things can become so, so weaponized where we have not dealt with things. So I want to actually just start off and um, try page quickly here. Yeah? Just a sec. Um, let me keep my place here. And uh, I want to just quickly start off with uh, a scripture I've given to you in the week, and that in 2 Timothy 2.26. And it says the following here, 2 Timothy 2.26. Um, it says here that, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare. Okay, that word snare is trap or escalon is the actual Greek word in that, which is a trap. And the trap is the trigger. It is the trigger for a, a trap. So it's like that stick that holds a trap up and you pull it. Like those who used to catch birds, not shoot them. and uh, Or shoot them. But now you pull the trigger stick and it catches something. That's what the actual word means. That word snare, right? So... Uh, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And what I, what I said, that the word even offense means the trigger, that trigger stick or escalon, which means the, 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 the situation where many Christians find themselves in a trap. That's why I said the most scary thing for me, what I've seen over the years, is how um, Christians that have become hurt, remember we get offended, um, we get hurt, something happens to us, and suddenly we have these triggers that we reactive to situations. So we, we live by emotions. Emotions are from God, but ne- our emotions need to be led by the Holy Spirit in us. All right? So that's why Jesus says it's fine to get angry. He, by the way, it is fine to get angry. weaponized to actually do the will of the enemy because of our hurts. So that is why the Bible speaks about it. Isaiah says this, that speaks about captives, captives and prisoners. Prisoners is someone who's in jail, and a captive is someone who's released from jail but has the mindset of still living like someone in prison. So many Christians are still in prison because of offenses and hurts. All right, so I've been sharing with you about... Um, the life of Joseph, and I shared to you how Joseph had to deal with things in his life, and it was not fair. His brothers sold him off, and what they did to him, and they actually wanted to kill him. So I don't know if any of you experienced it so bad. This was an Old Testament guy who had to deal with things where we have the Holy Spirit dwelling now in us. We have Christ who's in us if you're born again. And at that stage, the Holy Spirit rests on them, not in them. Old Testament. And he could deal with certain things. And I want to say we have much more of an advantage to deal with things uh, presently in the New Testament. So this morning, I'm going to try and share this word, just build further, because we've got to get this right. God's called us to reconciliation. Remember, I shared with us in 2 Corinthians, speaks that God's called us to be, reconcile man back to God. So when we in the church, we, could, we can't reconcile because I'm offended by you. You know, I wore a pink shirt instead of a purple shirt. And I've said, only real men can wear pink, by the way. Um, 
So, but what I'm saying is, you know, we, we get offended by the most simple things. If I tell you stuff, you know, so I've even had family members in the same situation that I've seen where, where people have been hurt and offended that have become so demonically inspired. You cannot believe. And I cannot share stuff on air because of this. But how things are so, so empowered that destruction comes in because that's the fruit of what the enemy comes to do. If the fruit of your situation because you were offended or whatever, if there's no reconciliation, then you still sit with offense and hurt. Because that's the fruit of reconciling man back to God is the fruit is reconciliation. So how do you know when you're restored in your relationship with someone in the, in the local church or wherever in your family or your work? Well, there's reconciliation. Ah, because Jesus, remember, he said, no, 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 don't, don't feel guilty about what you did to me. Joseph says, he says, he says, God sent his word and his word, he says, because God actually wanted to save a nation through my life. I paid a price, but you know what? The nation of Israel was saved. Remember what, what I said to you about Joseph? If Joseph had reacted out of revenge, what would have happened? The line from which Jesus came was from Judah. Judah would have been killed because Judah was one of the brothers. I mean, I don't know if you realize the implications of our choice that affects generations, not just you and you're the person you're upset with. It's generations that are affected. So this morning, I'm going to deal with you, uh, just a, uh, another guy in the Bible, and uh, also amazing guys, also just influenced me a lot from the Word of God, and that is David. That is David, and uh, who was known of having a heart after the heart of God. And... Um, so we see this situation even with, with David. Now, if you think it was Joseph had it tough. Joseph, where, he had to have, where his own brothers sold him, wanted to kill him. And, um, he, you know, that would experience the absolute betrayal and offense that he could have taken offense from what his brothers did. And I said someone in the local house, a local church, another Christian, or it could be family members, you can take offense because of betrayal from someone that is close to you. Remember, because trust has been broken. That's when it hurts. That's when it hurts the most, is you trusted someone. You trusted this family member. That's why it hurts so much. And either we allow God to deal with that hurt and offense in our heart or it becomes weaponized by the enemy. We become an agent of the devil. That's what happens. So here we have a situation where um, um, that David actually deals with something in, in, in even a worse scenario than actually being betrayed by brothers. He actually gets betrayed by a father. The Bible speaks about... King Saul was like a father to David. All right. No one ever been offended by your father? No, no one ever been offended by your physical father? Or you know what? Never mind just your physical father. What about your pastor? What about the leader? What about the boss at work? What about your team leader? You never been offended? That person in authority, that remember authority is actually there for your protection, by the way, not your destruction. But someone who's like a father figure. So we see that um, um, it's, it's someone that who's, has a spiritual authority in your life that has actually now hurt you, offended you. 
Who has the perfect father, physical, earthly father? Who has the, uh, no one, I don't see any hands. So a good opportunity that you would have been offended, or got offended, or are offended. Who is the perfect boss? I don't see any hands. All right, so yes, King David, and he's described as being basically that man after the heart of God. Okay, so we know that, just I'm going to give you a bit of a story in that, and so just a bit of a rundown about his life. So he was the eighth child of and his father was Jesse and um, he's the eighth child and basically firstly when the prophet comes along and he says listen where's your children I'm looking for whatever uh, God sent me and that where they and then your father leaves you in the field because he doesn't even think about you because you're looking after the sheep you're busy working and he doesn't even remember you oh <laughs> sorry I've got an eighth child out in the bushes let's go fetch him so, firstly, he has this situation where with his own physical father, he has Jesse. Oh, you know, you, I, I, oh, yes, I do have a son out there. And basically not being acknowledged. Ever been felt that you're not being acknowledged by your own father? Not being acknowledged by your boss? Ever felt like that? I see all the hands should go up there. There's been times like that. Isn't that so? So, um, what happens is that, um, but what's interesting, even right here, this is where the paths of Saul and David's touch. Because what happens, it's the same prophet that prayed and uh, set apart Saul as king. And he has the same prophet that prays and sets apart and anoints David that he will be king. So yes, David, he's 16 years old when he's anointed to be king. 16 years old, he's a boy. Young, you know, he's almost a man, young boy. So what happens is, we know the story where um, Saul is going through a tormenting time. He's basically been tormented by evil spirits. And they call for someone to come play an instrument just to help soothe us. And so they got David to come as a musician and he would minister unto Saul as he was playing. He would be ministering uh, to him. And... Um, Later what happens, he, uh, David goes, you know the story, he goes to the battlefield and where Israel is busy battling the Philistines. And there's this champion named Goliath and Goliath is almost 10 foot high. Okay, almost 10 foot high. That's how, how tall he is. And um, Israel was hiding away from the Philistines and especially this Goliath. They were pretty much hiding away. They were too scared to face Goliath. And we know the story that David goes and he says, okay, but is there any reward if we kill this Philistine? And they say to him, well, yes, there is. You get the hand of the king's daughter if you kill Goliath. He says, yeah, let's go for this. And he goes and he kills Goliath and he gets to marry actually the daughter of Saul. All right. So um, what happens is that uh, uh, David he suddenly is in the house in the sense and gets to mix with King Saul. But at the same time, Saul starts to get to actually like David. He starts really to, to bring him in, draw him, he, he likes him. And, and what actually happens is that David becomes, Saul makes David his armor bearer. So he's always with Saul. He makes him his armor bearer. And... Um, 
what happens is that Saul even goes and he invites David to, 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 to sit with him at his table. Now, to sit with him at his table is a major honor in those times. To be invited to sit at the table with the king. It's a major honor that took place in that time. And uh, basically, David becomes, also we know that he becomes best friends with Jonathan, the son of King Saul. They become best friends. So, um, what happens is, you know, David starts thinking, hey man, things are working out for me. All these things are working out for me. And uh, because all things are working out for me to become a king. Because he was anointed to be king. At 16, so he's thinking, well, man, I'm going to actually be king. Now, remember this. You must understand is that um, when David comes back from one of the battles, uh, the, 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 the woman starts singing, and Saul hears us that Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. Suddenly, something starts to happen in the heart of King Saul. And we see that King Saul tries to kill David twice. On two occasions, he tries to kill David. And what happens is that David goes and we know he runs away and he runs to a city called Nob where there, there are many of God's priests that are actually there in the city. And when he goes to the city, he asks the, 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 the head priest, they ask for a sword and for bread. When he goes to the city. And what happens is that Saul. King Saul finds out about what is happening. That, that David went and that the priests helped him. Helped David. So what Saul does. He goes and there were 85 priests. He goes and he executes all 85 priests and their whole families in the city of Nob. He executes all of them. Because they helped David. Right. He, he, he's got something against David, I'm sure. By now, he would have picked it up. So, um, this is actually how crazy David's boss was. That David was under. Ever experienced your boss like that? Your father like that? You see, David did not choose to work for Saul. By the way, he didn't choose to work for Saul. Because God is the one that put David under Saul. You might be working in a place right now. It might be your work. It might be the place you're studying at. And it's like this person is just against you. It might be in business, the boss, whatever. It might be your father. It might be it's someone in that authority position that you feel, I mean, all oh, the hell is breaking loose. Anyone ever felt like that? You see, anyone that actually has a covenant with God, uh, and what happens is they they actually what starts happening when when they open themselves up like this and they go crazy like Saul goes. Basically, what happens they get a split personality. So someone who has a covenant with God that turns so much like that, the enemy gets an inroad into their lives that they get the split personality. All right? So this is what happens here with Saul. 
and um and one minute, like you'll find Saul, he's tender-hearted. The next minute, he's throwing spears at David. Suddenly, he goes crazy. What's happening? Because he's had these spirits start influencing him. And um, what Saul goes and does, he gets 3,000 men. 3,000 of the elite soldiers of Israel. And they start to hunt for David. And they start to look for David wherever. They're looking for him. Now, you can imagine this. David could not visit his family. He could not go to a funeral. He could not go to a wedding. He could not go to anyone and visit or whatever see his family. And he goes to live in the wilderness. And, uh, and why is this? All because of his father, Saul. And uh, you can just turn with me in that uh, to 1 Samuel 24. Where I'll just give you the background story. But you can see this in 1 Samuel 24, uh, verse 1 to 11. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 to 11. We'll do 1 Samuel 26. We'll touch on that. But in 1 Samuel 24, this is part of the story. What actually happens here is that um, Saul comes to a place in Israel called Engedi. And uh, basically is that... David is, is, is in the back of this cave, and um, what happens is when they see Saul come in, David and him, and he, David had 400 men. They hide at the back of this cave. And Saul comes, and, that, and he comes to, the, it actually says there, to relieve themselves. So um, there was possibly water in that cave, but also they cleaned themselves. They took their swords off, and they put them on the ground. But they, whether they cleaned themselves or relieved themselves in other ways, it doesn't say clearly in the Bible. But they basically put their swords down, and because of this water that was there, and they cleaned themselves. And, that. and then what happens is that, David's men then go, and they don't know David's men are in the cave. David's men say, God is giving your enemy by disarming them. That's a confirmation. <laughs> God is giving you your enemy by disarming them. That's what the men of David say. said. And what David goes and does, he goes and he cuts a piece of Saul's robe. And then he, he takes that piece and he goes, goes a distance and um, he goes a distance from there and basically he, he, he shouts out and he yells out to Saul. And he says the following, he says to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men, what they, what that, they say? Indeed, David seeks your harm. Why do you listen to the words of men saying, indeed, David seeks your harm. Why do you listen to people saying that I want to do something against you? He shouts us afar off from uh, Saul. David was actually trying to prove himself innocent. He was not trying to take Saul's throne. He was trying to prove himself innocent. In 1 Samuel 24, it says this. He says, Look, this day your eyes have seen that the, that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against, uh, 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 I will not stretch my hand uh, against my Lord. 
for he is the Lord's anointed. Okay. So in 1 Samuel 24 verse 15 and 17 it says here. 1 Samuel 24, 15 and to 17 it says here. Um, Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You're more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. This is Saul. Yes, Saul, suddenly clarity comes to mind. He says, you know, what I meant for evil in that. And I mean, but you only meant good for me. You know, so many people have been hurt by leaders. Whether it be at work, whether it be spiritual leaders, whether it be your spiritual parents, whether it be your physical parents, your father, your mother. But David, what David does, he has proven to his father that he was actually not trying to take his place. He was not trying to take Saul's place. In 1 Samuel 26, 13, it says the following. 1 Samuel 26, 13, it says here, now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off and a great distance being between them. And this is where he, he, he shouts and he tells them in that. So what happens here? He says, um, what, uh, what do you think David felt after that he had actually proven his innocence? What actually do you think he felt? Because Saul still continued to hunt him after this. So you might feel, yeah, but I went to reconcile and actually sort out this with my father, with my mother, with my boss, and then they still go for you. What do you think you felt? Anyone done that? You know, I've done that, and it's like things get worse sometimes. Okay? Um, what happens is that God puts, puts you know, uh, sorry, in, yeah, in, in verse 26, let me just tell you the story here. Yeah, you can go read here, yeah, but what happens is, is that, yeah, is, is, is God, and here's another scenario. So the armies are against him and that, and they continue uh, pursuing David. Then David sees this camp of, the, of, of, of uh, Saul and that to the Israelites there. And God, this is quite a cool story. I don't know if you read this, but God puts the whole army to sleep. I know sometimes people experience it in church, hopefully not this place, but... Uh, <laughs> That's then the rest of the Lord, not other things. But yes, the whole army that gets put to sleep, the Israelites, they get put to sleep. It says the whole entire army actually gets put into a deep sleep. And we see that David asks and he says, okay, well, who's going to go with me into the camp of the Israelites now? And obviously there's the one guy, Abishai. Abishai was a bloodthirsty Warrior. You read about him later. So Abishai says, listen, I will go with you. These guys are out. I'm going to go with you because he was bloodthirsty. And he goes there and they're sleeping. Saul's sleeping. And Abishai picks up 
this, the javelin or the spear to kill Saul. And he waits for David to say, go for it. And David says nothing to Abishai. He says nothing. And basically is that Abishai says the following. He says, God has delivered Israel into David's hands. That's what he says. He says, God's delivered again. Israel into your hands. Just remember, Saul had killed 85 families and those priests, the whole families in that city that helped. I mean, surely, I mean, you, this judgment must come to this guy. In verse 9 of 1 Samuel 26, you can just go read in that. It says here, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed? You see, this can be your, your boss, it can be your father, it can be your team leader, it can be your pastor, it can be the spiritual leader that you've had. But David, what he does yeah, he grabs um, uh, uh, Saul's jaw and spear and he leaves. So why do you think that God put this whole army into a deep sleep? You see, God wanted to test David's heart. God wanted to test David's heart. Because God wanted to see if David would actually be another Saul. And if he was going to be another Saul, he would have been taking the matter into his own hands. How many of us try to take the matter into our own hands when we have to deal with people? We've offended us or been bad to us. We try to take it into our hands. Or he had the choice to remain a man after God's heart. That was the choice that David had to make. Then David goes and he says the following. David said, God is the one to make judgment, not me. God is the one to make judgment. You see, David knew the law. David knew the law, the law of what God said. The law says, you shall not take vengeance. That's what the law said. You shall not take vengeance. How many times we've been hurt, offended, we want to take vengeance? Whether it's in business, whether it's your own physical family, You shall not take vengeance. What's vengeance? Revenge. Vengeance is revenge. Someone's hurt you so much, I want to take revenge. None of you, I've just felt like that sometimes. Sorry. You want to take revenge. In uh, Leviticus 19.1, you'll see it says, uh, it says this. It says, you shall not take vengeance or... Bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, David also said, O God, to whom also vengeance belongs, shine forth. 
Vengeance belongs to God. All right? And what David does, David walks out. He walks out from the situation where he could have taken the life and he could have been king. And this is when God actually said, David is now ready for leadership. This is when he was ready. Now he was ready. You see, the first king Saul, what he did is he served himself. But this king David would be a man after my own heart. That's what the Bible says. He'll be the, have the heart of what God's heart was. All right. So how do you become a man after, uh, uh, oh, how do you become a man or woman after the heart of God? How do you become a man or woman after the heart of God? By not paying back. By not seeking revenge. By not paying back. You see, God did judge Saul. And David, the Bible says, did not rejoice when he heard the news about the judgment that came on Saul. He did not rejoice. Sometimes, ah, I told you. <laughs> I told you. Mm, mm, mm. Not you. <laughs> All right, he did not rejoice, but listen to this. It's quite scary what it actually says here. Um, for 14 years, just, just understand this. For 14 years, David lives in a cave. Caves, different caves. For 14 years, he lives in caves. And he couldn't visit his family, friends, whatever. And all because of this boss. That God put him under. Ah. God put him under. So, God goes, God judges him. But yet David does not rejoice. When Saul was judged and he actually dies, David mourns. He goes and mourns. You see, David then teaches every man. Listen to this. This is crazy. I'm thinking, what? David goes and then he teaches every man in Judah to sing a love song to Saul. <laughs> you shall love your neighbor. Vengeance is mine. Judgment is mine, that God says. He says, but you shall love your... I mean, he, 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 he literally took the word and he applied it to his life. So, yeah, every man in Judah, he taught to sing a love song, song to um, Saul. A song that honored a man that God just judged. Wow. You see, when God brings judgment, many times he uses the world to do it. 
When God brings judgment many times, he uses the world to do it. I can tell you of presidents, even in the past and stuff, throughout in Europe and places where, you know, certain things happen and it was the people that actually judgment was brought through the people. Who did God use in this situation to bring judgment? God used the Philistines to bring judgment on Saul. Yet David says, listen to this, David says, don't even talk about it, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Do not even talk about it, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. That, you know, don't even, you know, say, whoo, you know, Saul is dead. He says, because your enemy's daughters, they will rejoice about what has happened, about God's anointed. That's, that's how pure in heart he was. You see, not only that, Yah is a messenger that comes to David to tell David that Saul has been killed, right? That Saul is dead. And the thing about the messenger that comes to tell David, he thinks that, um, that he'll actually get favor from David by coming to say, Hey, Saul, Saul is dead. Wow! You know, he thinks he's going to get favor with David. Do you know what David goes and does? He calls one of his young guys. And he executes, has him execute that messenger right there. Eh? So David said to him, How was it that you were not afraid to put uh, forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed. Then David called one of his young men. Who struck and executed the messenger. Does this sound like an offended man? Does this sound like David was an offended guy? No. No. Then there's a whole story in that we can go into that David actually goes to search out is there any member of that is still living among Saul's family. He, he, they try to go search for anyone and they find the crippled one. I think Mesbethesh or whatever, I don't know, it's some long name. And he actually finds him and he takes care of him, he was crippled. And he takes care of him the rest of the days of his life. He brings him into his house. He brings him that he can eat from his table. Guys, I'm telling you, we're speaking about revealing the Father's heart. Here's David. Wow. How many times we misrepresent the Father. And he has his heart that is revealed in this thing where he should have been offended. He had enough cause. He was, I mean, he just reveals the heart of the Father. He reveals the heart of the Father. What did Jesus come and do? Reveal the heart of the Father. You see, David finds, you know, he finds, you know, this, 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 this guy, and it's amazing how he just blesses him. And this is why he's called a man after the heart of God. Okay, so when he comes to leadership, listen to me. Not all leaders are perfect. Okay, I'll stand first in line. Not all leaders are perfect. 
whether it's spiritual leaders, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a, a boss, whether it's a whatever, a team leader, whether it's your father, your mother, not all leaders are perfect. Because Jesus is the only perfect leader. Jesus is the only perfect leader. Do you know that even godly leaders make mistakes? All right? And not all leaders are godly either. Not all leaders are godly either. So their behavior might not be from God. Listen to me. Their behavior might not be from God. But their authority is from God. Their behavior might not be from God, but their authority is from God. In 1 Peter 2.13 it says, 1 Peter 2.13 says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. It is God's will that your, uh, that your honorable lives should, uh, lives should silence those ignorant people that make foolish accusations against you. All right, so, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, as David, he gets called man after the heart of God. Why? Because he allowed God to be the judge when he came to authority. In 1 Peter 2.16, it says the following, for you are free. Yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and reject the king. So, the, the king that Peter is referring to here is, is actually King Agrippa. And King Agrippa was, you know, he murdered many Christians, by the way. He was murdering many Christians, basically in cold blood. He was just murdering them. So when we need to see, listen to me, we need to see the past. The past, we need to start looking past the person or the man or the woman, the person in authority. We need to see past their behavior and we need to see the authority on that person. So, yes, King Agrippa and saying, listen, honor the king. We need to see past their behavior and to see the authority God has given them. When the Bible says this, honor your mother and your father so that your days of life might be long. It doesn't say honor your mother and father because they're nice. Hello? It's because of the authority that God put on him. You know, some people don't live long just because they haven't honored their parents. Doesn't matter how nice they were or how bad they were. But honor the authority God has put there. You see, the fear of God says, 
I see the authority God's placed on you. Therefore, you have my respect because I honor your position, not your behavior. And yes, King Agrippa, or yes, your physical father, they might misbehave or they might be unbelievers. They might be a believer. That's even worse then. You know, and, and you, you experience bad situation with your father or with your boss. But the Bible says, honor, don't, even if their behavior is bad, whatever, honor their position, not their behavior. The president, the leader of this, the, your boss, honor the position, never mind even if their behavior is bad. Many people would not go to their father and apologize because maybe of how bad their fathers treated them. And you know what? They might be justified to say, but I've been so mistreated by my father. And they justify themselves, and that's why they're offended. I'm offended because my father did this to me. I'm offended because my father did this to me. My, my pastor, my leader, my boss did this to me. And they justify the reason why they must be offended. But God calls us to honor the position, not the behavior. That's how you, how you honor a king who was killing Christians like Agrippa here. Yeah? It does not mean to honor the king if it causes you to sin. Just listen to me. We've touched on this even with the whole lockdowns and whatever. There's this place, but when do you honor then the king? There's a difference when the king asks you to do something that causes you to sin. Because he has the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it said that they did not bow down to the king. But what did they say? When they, when they replied to the king, they said, your majesty. They honored the authority of his position, not his behavior. And so when you were told to do things that causes things to sin, no. But you still honor the position. So God wants you to honor, love, and respect the authority God has placed over us. Do you know that the greatest offenses occur with the people under authority not brothers like Joseph all right so um, the greatest offenses occur when you're actually under authority with your own father own mother own boss. So you stand in under authority. That's where the greatest offenses actually occur. Because you want to justify your offense when you get hurt. And God says, no. Vengeance is mine. Let me deal with this. Honor the person. Pray for the person. That's what the Bible says. Pray for enemies. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Pray for your leaders. Submit to your leaders. Pray for leaders so that it may go well with you. Don't pray against them. Pray for them. Amen. 
So I, I really just feel God is really bringing about a restoration in the body. And for those listening online, those that are here this morning, that, that God is wanting to restore our hearts because God wants us to be instrument in his hand. He doesn't want us to be an instrument in the enemy's hand. Do you know how many, do you know how many pastors' kids are, end up in a cult or something like that? Just by the way. They end up, how many, how many parents, how many, how many children end up, I mean, your parents may be serving the Lord and that, and you end up in, in such wrong things. Why? It's because the enemy weaponizes an offense and an hurt. And his purpose is to destroy, to destroy, kill, steal, destroy. And your God says, no, no, let me deal with this. This is where we need to say, God, you know, I've been hurt. This is really just hurt. This is offended. God, I give this back to you. You're the righteous judge. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And that thing, Lord, I want, I want a heart, like David said, I want a heart after God. That what I reflect is the Father's heart. That it is pure. Amen. Good, let's just stand. I want to just pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to just pray right now for uh, everyone here and those that are listening online. Father, I want to pray where people have been hurt and offended. I want to pray for deliverance and healing and restoration to come. Lord, where we've been abused, misused by spiritual fathers, those in authority, those that are, might be a, a boss, that might be a team leader, might be our fathers or mothers, but those that are in authority, Lord, that where we've been hurt and abused or misused, Lord, I just pray that there comes a major deliverance in our lives, that we will no longer be captors, but that we will release people, we will bless those people, because we know that you are the righteous judge. And Lord, I just speak peace, and we release healing over people, even in this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.